boils and ghouls, and welcome to another episode of Crypt Speakers, the Tales from the Crypt podcast that asks, are you ready to rock? I'm your co-ghost, Jay Tyler, and with me today is... Toronto! I mean, Sessie <laughs> Korea. Uh, yeah, so, you know, we've got our blonde wigs on, we've got our uh, off-the-shoulder crop tops, uh, just, we are fully in the early 90s LA rock and roll scene. Because this episode of Tales from the Crypt rocks with its socks off, if you know what I mean. I don't know what that means. Pops. Um, it, it pops. It, it pops. It it pops. It rips. It uh, is all about that rock and roll lifestyle. It's for crying out loud. Directed by Jeffrey Price. Written by Jeffrey Price and his his writing partner Peter Seaman. Um. And that's where we're going to start today. And we're not going to make any jokes about the last name because we're a classy podcast. Yeah, no, it, it it's, you know, it's just another word for sailor, guys. Like, get your yeah. head out of the toilet um, and watch more Tales from the Crypt, I guess. I don't know. Um, so, Jeffrey Price and Peter Seaman, I think, are a really interesting duo to talk about. So these guys um, kind of come out of nowhere, write the script for this little movie called Who Framed Roger Rabbit. I feel like a recurring theme on our show is people who are who? attached to... What? Who? Jeffrey Price and... Oh, who? Roger Rabbit. Oh. <laughs> yeah, one Rod, Roger Rabbit. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm waiting for him to show up on one of these episodes, for there to be episodes starring Roger Rabbit. Um, that'd be very exciting. Um, but yes. Jeffrey Price and um, Peter Seaman uh, write the script for Roger Rabbit. Uh, big hit, obviously, like genre defining, like wins a specialty Oscar for being like, this thing is just cooking. Um, and also and, terrifying. And also scary and like just like a a one of a kind film. Um, well, I think we've so, already talked about how we were both quite scarred. At the end of Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Oh yeah, uh, like one with of the yeah, with the Judge yeah, Doom the, like transforming into his tune form. Uh, well, yeah. and with the melting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yes, I'm melting yep. away. Yes. Uh, yes. Lots of uh, nightmare fuel on that movie. Uh, Say nothing of the scene for life. where he's like just dipping the shoe in the dip. Uh, lots of uh, real crazy moments in that movie. Um, and they wrote those moments. Um, and then they went on to write. Here's here's the list of the films that they did. Uh, they wrote the Michael J. Fox vehicle, Doc Hollywood. Doc Hollywood. Uh, they wrote the screenplay for Wild Wild West. A wicked, wicked wild, wicked wild, wicked wild, wild west, a Jim West, Desperado, Rough Rider. No, you don't want nada. None of this. Uh, that's all I got. <laughs> oh, it was, it, was, it was perfect. That's all you need. Uh they they were, uh, then wrote the script for uh, Ron Howard's How the Grinch Stole Christmas, um, another nightmare movie. Uh, and then wrote the script for Last Holiday, which I believe is the, yes, that's the uh, Queen Latifah movie where she thinks she's dying. And so just does like all the crazy stuff that she would have, she would have never done unless she thought she was dying, but then ends up not being dying. That's that movie. Um, and then their last uh, tele- or film writing credit is Shrek the Third in 2007, and then just kind of fall off the face of the earth. So, 
this I mean, guy is what, was, a, what a career but what a yeah like it, it's a incredibly strange uh filmography that I have attached to um and like some like very notable films like you know whatever your opinion on the quality of those films are but like just very like high profile films that they did for uh between uh 1988 and 2007 um and they do two episodes of tales from the crypt this season they do this episode they write this episode and then jeffrey price directs it and then later this season they'll have an episode called my brother's keeper which they wrote together and seaman directs that one Ah, the old switcheroo. They yeah, so they each got one to direct. They wrote these two episodes together, and so like I and these are their only directing credits for both of them. They only directed. That's really nice of them to be like, I'm gonna do one, and you're gonna do one. Yeah, like you definitely get a sense of camaraderie between the two of them that they they were buddies with Zemeckis. They probably like I don't know if they asked him or if he told, he asked them. Like I don't know, but you you have to imagine that there was some sort of conversation that they had of like he's like hey i'm making this tv show and we're just looking for folks who are interested in doing it would you guys be interested in doing this you know either as 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 writers probably you know i assume and then they said yes but also we've been kind of wanting to dip our toes in directing and so if we could direct the episodes that we write that'd be great he's like sure why not well there's literally nothing to lose from letting y'all direct a couple episodes of this show um so they do that and this is one of them for crying out loud. Now you said you wanted to talk about the the cast of this episode. Yes, because um, it is pretty stacked. So yeah, Iggy Pop plays himself, but yes. I was personally uh, very excited to see uh, Katie Sagal, uh, mm-hmm. who you, I mean, most people probably. Um, link her to married with children but to me her voice has been just kind of uh i don't know what the best way to say it her voice is in my head as taronga <laughs> Leela from futurama uh right. because i am uh what uh what we like to call ourselves a futurama sleeper this is a thing it is actually mm-hmm. a uh a reddit on uh, on on reddit it's a subreddit oh, oh there's a uh, whole subreddit dedicated to this there's dozens of us okay uh <laughs> and it's uh yeah it, it it is a thing and uh i definitely do fall asleep to futurama a lot and that's why um i'm a big fan of the whole futurama voice cast uh, i think they'll right. part of the reason i think why so many people react this way to futurama and kind of use it at this uh, as this like safety blanket to fall asleep to is because a lot of their voices are so pleasing um, and so, yeah, I, I absolutely adore Katie Sagal and, uh, I really like her voice, obviously. Uh, and like I said, I, I kind of love her because she is, she's Leela. Uh, right. but then also what I think is interesting about her here is that she actually started off her career as a singer songwriter. Hmm. Uh, and she like, she sang backup, I think for Ben Midler, like she actually has some really decent, uh, pipes, uh, so, uh, I think it's, which, it's which fitting. for the record is not displayed in this episode, but it is interesting yeah. that it's this like music, uh, adjacent thing that like, yeah, that's yeah. what that is interesting. Which is, it, it's interesting because I, I was hoping that maybe she would have, uh, some sort of musical role here and I was a little disappointed to see she didn't, uh, but still really nice to see her in this role. Yeah. Um, and speaking of famous voices, but not necessarily famous, pleasant voices, <laughs> At the other end, 
we have um, the voice of the uh, late Sam Kinison uh, yes. doing a, a purely voice acting role here, um, which I don't... So for those who don't know, Sam Kinison, a um, stand-up comedian who really blew up in the late 80s, early 90s, um, died in a horrific car accident in 1992, I want to say. Um, but like, was just like a sort of omnipresent force for like the like final yeah. five years of his life in in stand up comedy. I, you know, comedy is always one of those things that's going to age. Maybe the like stand up comedy, especially like ages, I think really poorly unless it's like the top shelf stuff. I find Sam Kinison kind of unlistenable <laughs> personally i don't know if, if you've ever like really dug into listening to any of his stuff so the whole thing about sam kennison is that he had actually been a pentecostal preacher before he became a comedian oh wow and, and so he brought in the style of what like what his pentecostal preaching had been which is just screeching at the top of his voice he brought that to his stand-up um but what he also brought was a lot of misogyny and like yeah. a lot of, of of jokes about rage against the women in his life and so forth, and but just stuff like I said, just has not aged especially well. Um, Look, but, not everybody can be Gallagher. Sure, <laughs> just really bringing stuff down with that one. I'm just saying, what? like, not yeah. everybody can be I, I, just I, the guy I, whose yeah. gimmick is like a watermelon, like hitting yeah. it with the hammer. Like, you're right, Ceci. Not everybody can be Gallagher. <laughs> Uh, so you have, so you have these, you have Iggy Pop being Iggy Pop, um, extremely Iggy Pop, one might say in this episode. The Iggyest. The, the Iggy Iggyest, um, that he's ever been. Um, and then you have, uh, Sam Kinson doing this voice. Uh, you have Leela's voice or Leela's voice and body, uh, acting in this one. Um, and then you have... The main role played by uh, not like a, a nobody, but like a, a visible like character actor. But it's funny because it's like we named all these other people who definitely are bigger names than this person. Um, and his name is, I'm going to open my tab here again because I can't remember what the guy's name. Lee Arenberg, who I primarily know as one of the like sort of comedy relief pirates in the Pirates of the Caribbean movies. Um, also, uh, one thing to note, I'm pretty sure Katie Sagal was the first build in this episode. Oh, was she? That's interesting. Uh, that's very interesting. I wonder if that was just like, because Married with Children is on the air at this point, and like that show's just super hot in 1999. Yeah. 1990. Um, huh. Interesting. So, uh, we've got a, a pretty, you know, stacked cast of talent. Um, but what is this episode about? What is going on in this? Give me one second. Up on my notes again. So we open. So we we open with the crypt keeper. He's playing guitar. You know. So we started this new metric of like, does the opening of the episode actually match something that happens in the episode? And this one, one hundred percent, one to one is is a thing that has to do with the episode that's about to come. Uh do you agree, Ceci? Yes. And it was uh, it was quite fun. Yes, it is fun. He's he's wearing his his like rock hair metal wig. He's kind of 
messing around with the guitar. It's pretty atonal. And he, he's, he always <laughs> says he's always have issue, issuing with the fingering of the guitar, which I guess is supposed to be a joke that he's a skeleton, so he doesn't have fingers technically. But it's one of those things where it's like... Phrasing! All right. Yeah, exactly. Yes, it's definitely one of those things where it's like, there's got to be another way you could have written that joke, but okay. Um, and but he's always, but instead of being a rock star, he's gonna have to settle for being a shock star instead. Um. And so uh, we we get I do through. like I do like that. There's rats, and he like he's like, oh, those are my groupies. Ah, yes, it's adorable. Yeah. yeah, he he definitely uh is living that shock star life. Um. Uh oh yeah yeah he throws one of his fingers to them so yeah it's a real fun intro um and then we get into the episode itself and we open up with a, a guy being taken down to be electrocuted in uh de- on death's row wait are we watching the man who was I death again was having flashbacks <laughs> and it wasn't pretty I was like really are we doing this again like are we starting all just, over once please, more no. <laughs> yeah and yeah, also Walter the Hill music. responsible for this episode yeah it, it also is very well it, it so it does this gimmick where they're walking down very somber and then all of a sudden like looney tunes music hits and you see that the guy who's being electrocuted is actually excited about being executed and not like somber about it um yeah i literally wrote oh my omg i can already tell i'm not gonna like this from the music because it's goofy just so goofy music over hit. the top yeah yeah um, and so he's like being strapped into uh, the electric chair and he's talking to someone on scene and like, he's like, oh, you would say, like, he's like having this full conversation and like clearly like kind of freaking everybody out. Like, you know, these are guys who like see executions for a living and they're like, just shut this guy up. Um, and so they get him all strapped up and they pull the lever and he gets shocked and um, we zoom into his ear and then we like zoom back out and we are now two years in the past, which I wrote in my notes, that's a hell of a flashback. I can't remember the last time I saw a flashback that went back two years um, and kind of doesn't need to. Like, well, we'll get into it, but let's yeah. like, that's, a, that's a long period of time to uh, set, set. But because it is spoilers, this is not cover like this episode does not cover like two years of events that occur. So it's just kind of an arbitrary amount of time that they picked. Um, so, um, our death row victim is very much alive and he's, uh, visiting a, uh, ear doctor because he's complaining about this. There's some muffled sound in his ears. Um, and we learned that this is Marty Slash, which sure that I, I guess that's your, your Christian name, you know, it's a Tales from the Crypt episode character. So he's got to have a name that sounds like his job, but also um, he doesn't look like Slash at all. Right, he has it's no hair, like, as opposed to Slash's yeah. very much hair. Um, so yes, if you were if you were just thinking about it in terms of Guns N' Roses famed guitarist Slash, there's not much resemblance. This is a man with nope. a go a goatee and no hair, as opposed to Slash Slash's clean shaven face and very much hair. Um, Mario Slash does not wear a top hat. He does not have a snake draped around his shoulders. So. In no way would you say that he uh, fits the... And he doesn't have a fashionably, like, cool cigarette always dangling from his mouth. Like, right. perfectly he, he do- he, always dangling. He doesn't leave any weddings to have an awesome guitar solo. Um, 
there's there's nothing slash about this guy other than the fact that his name is in fact Marty Slash. Um, but yeah, he's just talking to this doctor, and he's like, he's like, is it like a is it like a high sound? It's like no, it's like a muffled like talking, like it's like a cry or something. And he's like, I don't, I don't know what to tell you. There's nothing in your ears, you know. It probably has something to do with the fact that you go to all these rock concerts. So he suggests that he he get he use earplugs, and he gives them eardrops to assist, and he's supposed to apply them with this like gigantic Q-tip. That's like maybe eight inches long, if not longer. Like it's this huge um, application of the eardrops um, to sort of assist with the uh, sound. And then he says, well, his ultimate suggestion is to get out of the rock and roll business. Um, And I just want to say that like, this is literally every like interaction with a doctor I've ever had. It's like, I mean, I feel like they really got this to a T. You go in, you're like, (laughs) oh my God, this is like, this is literally killing me. And the doctor's like, meh, just, well, <laughs> just stop doing what you're doing. That's so funny. No, like, I have kind of, I have the, uh, maybe, maybe this is the white man effect. Um, but like my, my impression whenever I'm with a doctor is whenever I like go into the doctor, I'm like just doing my normal checkup or whatever. And they're, I'm talking to them. Like, like here's an example of like um, recently, like the last time I went in for a checkup, I like talked to my doctor and they're like, Oh, is there anything else, you know, going on or whatever? It's like, you know, I've been having like some stomach issues recently. Like I have a lot of like, um, you know, like just like indigestion and so forth. That seems to be more common these days. I'm like, oh, we probably need to do a gastroenterologist. I'm like, I don't think that's necessary. <laughs> like, I just, <laughs> do you have any diet suggestions? <laughs> like, I wasn't really looking to like go to another doctor. Um, but uh, yeah. So, um, but yes, like this doctor is just very much like, oh, whatever, man. Like, just I. <laughs> I'm not paid hourly, so you can get on out of here at this point. Um, so and then we learn that uh, Marty Slash is a concert promoter. Like, I question mark. I'm pretty sure that like he's not like a DJ or anything. He's just a guy who puts on concerts. But apparently he's very famous for putting on concerts. And um, also the place, the place where he's putting out these concerts doesn't look particularly like fancy. It's, no, it's just, I mean, it, it, yeah. it's a fairly generic, like, L.A. Skid Row style, like, rock venue. Like, y- using, uh, I mean, like, it's maybe a step above Beerland to use a, a local <laughs> landmark. Old Beerland. I've not been to Beerland since it got See, I was actually going to say it's more like an Antones, but. Sure. Yeah. No, it's definitely like, yeah, like, it's closer to that. Like, yeah, Antones like it's. Perfect- yeah, it's, it, he ha- yeah. he has a nice like penthouse like office he can look over the show at. Yeah, and he's got like some like swanky like guitars and like souvenirs that clearly he's received from all of the famous people that have played there. So it's like right. it looks, you know, like but a nice not, little indie. But it's not a Stubbs to use another local reference. <laughs> like, it's not like the it's not the biggest venue in town. Um, yeah, but it's a, but, it, but it's but it's a reasonable. I mean, it's a place that can book Iggy Pop. Uh, as we learn that his most recent concert is Iggy Pop, and holy shit, it's Iggy Pop being Iggy Pop, um, and saying the word "fuck" about twenty times in one minute. Uh, this is why the show is on HBO, literally is, just yeah, for this scene. Yeah, this, this, yes, I would say that this, that the language in this, this moment specifically, like there's a fair amount of language throughout this episode, but like Iggy Pop is like, oh, I can say whatever I want. Okay, here we go, and like I, I, you definitely get the energy of like this is probably what an Iggy Pop concert is like. Because he's just, the rest of this episode, he's just constantly taking off more and more of his clothes. Um, so he, and he, and he thinks, 
uh, Mario Slashing comes out and he and the audience is under the impression that this is a concert that's been a uh a, a Amazon rainforest charity. Um and they've raised a With million dollars. With Chief Chief Yabuti. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so Chief Yabuti comes out and he's 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 a stereotypical looking tribal chief and I'm like, "Oh, really?" Tales from the Crypt, but there's a twist here, Sessy. He's not a real Amazon tribal chief. What? So he so they have this like giant novelty check that he's um offering to him. Um and then like as they get off stage, he basically like um gives him basically he pays him and's like, Oh, did I do a good job? He's like, Yeah, you did great. You can get out of here. And it's like, Oh, it's an actor. So he did he didn't get a real Amazon tribal chief in. And at the moment he says, you know, we just don't want to fly anybody in, so we just got an actor to do it. But we soon learn that, in fact, this is all a scam. That's right, Sessie. It's another what? scam episode. Damn um, it. But this, but this scam, I at least understand. This is not like, I'm going to buy insurance so you have to give me money scam. It's a, I'm going to say I'm raising money for charity, but the charity is is my pockets. Uh, is the I uh, mean, scam he my pockets here. are a charity, I guess. Right. But that's, yeah. It's a different story that that's i'm going to make those bumper stickers for our speaker <laughs> show my pockets are a charity um yeah so he uh he he's he's taking all this money and he's he's basically saying like hey what you know i've been slaving away like very real moment of him just being like hey you know being a concert promoter is not like the most lucrative job in the world so why don't i just get mine cut my losses get out of here and i'm gonna just this is this is just basically my big scam I think I think it is a million dollars that he he gets. Yeah. Uh, and so he's like, I'm just going to take this money, get out of here. Uh, simple as that. Only problem is he's that little voice he was hearing at the beginning. At this point, uh, is full blast. And it is in fact Sam Kennison talking in his head and telling him that he's his conscience, which I is. So wild that Sam Kennison, this like, you know, ball of rage and energy is his conscience, says a lot about the kind of person Marty Slash is. Um, and he talked and he's and Marty complains like how I've always been dealing with these prima donna rock stars. And he makes a, a reference here to like, you know, oh, you can't have orange M&Ms in their, you know, bowls or anything. Which I just want to point out, do you know why rock stars have those kind of writers in their... Um, yes, it is actually to make sure that people read the damn thing. Right, it's it's their it's their test of like when they, they get to the green room and like the like, spe- like super specific like nitpicky thing isn't taken care of. They're like, okay, now we got to actually go look at the stage like set up and make sure everything's safe and whatnot. Yeah. But I think, which I think is super cool. Like it's one of those things that like rock stars, and I'm sure that like ones who are bigger dicks than others make those like a real pain in the ass sometimes. But I think it's one of those things that rock stars get a, a lot of shit for, but it actually yeah. has a purpose. It's not just them being difficult. Totally. Um, anyway. So he's like, you know, I've, I've worked for all these prima donnas. I'm done. Like be, I'm done being everybody else's punching bag. I'm done making other people money. I'm going to make myself money. I'm going to get out of here. Um, only problem is, as we cut out to outside, we see that a cop has arrived. Uh-oh. 
what's a cop doing here? Um, and then we also cut back to Iggy Pop, and Iggy Pop's still undressing because he's Iggy Pop. Uh, and then we get a knock at the door. <gasps> Uh-oh. Is it the cop? Oh, no. It's not the cop. It's, uh... It's my the, girl! It's your girl, Katie S- Sagal? Sagal? Yeah. Sagal? Uh, and she's, and she's, she's a tall lady. She's a tall brunette lady who's like, hey, I am so impressed that you raise all this money for the Amazon. She absolutely kills it here. She looks like a stone cold fox. Oh yeah. Like she is the, the top of the charts as far as like. You know, L.A. Rock Club uh, babes uh, can be considered. She's yep. like, in this and she's outfit. she's wearing a wig too. That's kind of makes her look a little like Elvira. Right? Yeah, she's definitely got some Elvira. Like, there's definitely like some like uh, dangerous goth chick vibes going on, uh, which is only escalated when she starts licking his ear, uh, which is very aggressive. So. Inside his his Sam Kinison consciousness is like, hey, this seems weird, but Mario Slash, being a sound judge of character, says, oh, whatever, this is this is great. This is just a little fun before my final out of here. Um, but the ruse is not to last, as uh, this brunette takes off her wig to reveal that she did she just have like brown hair? Like what? I can't remember like what her like or she had red hair. Like her. Her actual hair color is like redhead. Yeah, yeah, it's like, um, it's like yeah. So like, yeah, she like, red. which I think is hilarious. Is like she takes off her this wig that makes her look like Elvira and reveals her real hair, which is kind of like reddish, reddish hair, beautiful. Right. And she puts on these glasses and she's like, "I'm the banker," and I'm like, "Oh no!" <laughs> she she went from being a sexy goth chick to being a sexy banker. Damn it. <laughs> Yeah. So yeah. So yeah. She goes to this whole thing of just being like, actually, I, I I'm your banker, and I know that you cast that check, and like I'm the only person who knows that you actually cast this check in cash. So you're not giving this money to the Amazon. You're you're taking you're taking it, aren't you, buddy? And so I, I I do want to go back just for a second because I think we skipped sure. over a part that I I, I thought was like. A little confusing. So when she starts sure. kind of flirting with him and licks his face, she takes like a little like finger. Um, what do you call those things? Like those little like finger protectors that you use when you're mm-hmm. sewing. Right. Uh, also kind of like a finger condom that they give you when you go vote. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's this. It's it's I think. Yeah. It's it's he clearly thinks it's a condom. Like there's this weird like endowment joke yeah and he's like what's that and she's like don't worry about it it's for me and she puts it on her finger right well i think the idea is supposed to be that she's trying to keep uh her prints off stuff but like at that point like yeah like what i don't i don't i don't know what's going on there or what oh like, he's i think, think that's what that's what they use to like count money really quickly right Maybe. right yeah so that yeah. it doesn't stick so it doesn't like stick or you don't or, like, get like smudge. yeah paper cuts or whatever. Mm-hmm. Whoa, okay, that makes sense now. 
Yeah, so she she puts on her, her See, banker finger. I thought I thought it was a, a dirty joke. I thought that it was something like he thought. Well, she no, was gonna, I mean, I know? think it. I think it is, and then <laughs> like he he thinks it's like some kind of like sexual uh, object, and she's and she's like, no, 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 don't worry about it. Um, also, I'm your banker. Eh. Um, and and she blackmails him, as one does when you know somebody has a bunch of, of ill-gotten course. money. She's like, I want half. And he's like, half? And she's like, uh-huh, half. And so he's like, well, you kind of got me against rock and a hard place. So he hands it over. But as she's counting the money with her, her money counting finger. And she is like ferociously counting the money. She's like oh, yeah. so fast at it. She's like she's, really she, good. She, you can tell she's a professional. Yeah. Um, at counting money. So she like, yeah, she's getting into it. Um, but as she's counting... Uh, he gets a guitar from all, he has like a bunch of uh, guitars from different people who have performed at the club. And he says, uh, says this one was given to me by Pete Townsend. And then just like clocks her over the head and kills her. Uh, Do you like Huey Lewis in the news? Right. It's very much (laughs) very similar energy. Uh, The the Pete Townsend joke did get me. uh, I thought that was funny. Um, And then, uh, so he knocks her out and is like, oh, Jesus, I just killed a person <laughs> like immediately. Like, it's like, ah, and then uh, he's like, um, and then Sam Kinison in his head is freaking out and is like, this is when we get our first like full version of the Sam Kinison like scream. And he's like trying to convince him to turn himself in. And he's like just making a big racket. And uh, Marty uh just freaks out and um starts to uh stuff her into a drum case i think that's this is where he stuffs her into the drum case yeah mm-hmm. just to like do like cover up the, like in case somebody comes in because then another knock comes at the door and that's when the cops come in and also um, how how tiny is katie sagel that like she She's not tiny. Like that's the thing. Like you saw her earlier. She's a she's a tall woman. But yeah, yeah, like I guess he just like cracks a couple bones and gets her like or maybe it's just a big drum case. Who knows? Um but yeah, like he 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 tight he gets her uh tight as a drum in this case. Uh, Uh, and then the and then the cops come in and uh they're not there about the money, they're there because there's been a noise complaint. Uh which like clearly because because look i know i know that i'm buying a condo in downtown where there's a music scene and i fully well knew this when i bought this condo but damn it i don't want people to be playing music past 10 p.m yeah i don't i didn't sign you know I didn't sign up to hearing Iggy Pop <laughs> wailing. Uh, because this is literally not what I signed up night. for when I bought a condo literally right next to the concert venue. Right next to the rock club. Yep. And uh, this is sarcasm. I hate people like that. <laughs> like, that's like, I don't know if you remember Justice on the side, if you remember when we, uh, they instituted the sound ordinance in downtown Austin because all those condos started popping up right next to Stubbs. Again, Austin. <laughs> Austin insider uh type of info but yeah. yeah I do remember it was like oh yeah all all concerts need to be actually it's not 10 p.m. it's like midnight by midnight all concerts right. need to stop if they're in downtown Austin yeah because of That's... all the condos kind of popping up so so dumb but like of course like 
all the like six street bars still stay open like it's oh yeah ridiculous um so uh the cops like they're kind of talking to him and he's freaking out because the you know he's got a lady in a drum case and there's like a one of his like stage hands is there and he's like hey can you uh ship this drum case back donnie, donnie osmond <laughs> which which i think is hilarious so i actually wanted to look this up i meant to look this up earlier donnie osmond did come out with a rock and roll album and that's like a yeah like, uh, uh, and so i'm wondering if like that's supposed to be a specific reference to like when he came out with that album when would that have been around this time or was that afterwards? When did he come out with that? I don't I don't remember. I do remember in the nineties, in the early nineties, him, you know, having a, a solo career and being kind of right. a big deal. Or maybe I'm thinking of somebody else. Maybe somebody else who had a rock but album. Yeah, but yes, I, like like this does not seem like the kind of place that would have Donny Osmond play. <laughs> you don't have a venue where Pete Townsend, Iggy Pop, and Donny Osmond have all like done gigs oh, yeah. there. It looks like 1989, 1990 is when he kind of had like this uh Okay, so yeah, so it's probably a, a reference to that. Um, yeah, I think he was kind of trying to be like a Peter Gabriel type. I see. Okay, yeah, he's, here's here's a an album cover with him wearing a leather jacket and tight jeans. All right, Donnie. <laughs> um, Get it, Soldier of Love. All right. Yes, yes, that's what it was called. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so he's so he he gets the drum out and like the cops like. Wait a minute. And you're like looking at the drum case. He's like, I love Donnie, Donnie Osmond, <laughs> which is yeah. a, another funny little moment. Like, like this episode's got jokes. Like, it's real, it's real obnoxious, but it's got a, a regular pace of jokes coming, going throughout it. Um, so at this point, Marty's like, I just got to get the fuck out of Dodge. I got to get out of this club. I've got this pre planned flight to Portugal. Um, but my conscience is just yelling, like, his, his conscience is getting louder and louder. And he he is uh concerned and uh I I failed to mention earlier when he the I think actually at this point he's screaming louder and louder and he starts just emptying his ear uh stuff into his ear and is like sloshing it around and stuff. And so he's just like trying to literally so gross. It's real gross. Like, he's literally trying to like drown out the noise, and then you hear Sam Kinison like gargling. So like it's just like you have this full sense of like there's a tiny person in his ear who's being drowned in uh, eardrops. Yeah, it's a it's like um, the uh, bit until death where he like just gives her all the potion. It's like I'm just gonna drop all the all the stuff in my ear, and that's gonna fix the problem. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm not a big fan of uh, body horror that way because i i guess it's not body horror but it's kind of bordering on that right like just like 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 this like because there's something that you immediately like can recognize like oh i could imagine what that would feel like in my body and i don't like the like supposition of what that would feel like in my body um so at this point marty's just kind of unraveling he's like i just gotta get out of here um but he's i i guess he's gotta go to the bathroom like i can't i he goes to the bathroom uh, either because he has to, or he, uh, oh, because his, his, um, consciousness is, is yelling, his consciousness is yelling and people are starting to look at him and he's like, oh shit, can people actually hear this tiny voice? Can people hear my tiny Sam Kinison I got in my ear that I tried to drown? 
Um, and so he ducks into a restroom, uh, and there are a bunch of people like, and he's like, kind of like, just being real intense, and he's like standing on the urinals, and he'll just like, like look at him, and they're like, uh, and they just kind of like run away. And there's a gag in here where like one of the people who is at the urinals is a woman, and I can't tell if that's a bit of transphobic humor or if it's just yeah. like there's a lady here. I'm like, is yeah, like, I, I, I kind of wonder what, the same thing. I was like, I, I don't oh, know. No, we're doing trans I, jokes. Uh. I, yeah, I don't. I don't know if that's the joke or if it's just like, why is a lady at the urinal? I'm assuming. Or Between because two, she kind of looked like Katie Sagal, so I thought maybe that's what they were going for. Either way, it's not necessary. Yeah. It's it's a we it's a weird beat that like for a show that or an episode that has a bunch of. Uh, yeah, it absolutely that, didn't need to be there. Yeah, it did. It doesn't need this moment. Um, anyway, um, so Marty Marty is convinced that people can hear the voice, uh, and um, he runs into like the, and he runs into the club, and he like goes to the like soundboard, and he just cranks the music up, even though he had just had it turned down because of the noise complaint. He cranks it up so that nobody else can hear his voice. Um, which, of course, causes the cop who's just leaving, thinking about how great Donny Osmond is, uh, to come back into the club um, because he had just like gotten them to turn it down. So, like, what the fuck? Um, but the voice won't stop. It's just getting louder and louder in his head. Um, and he goes up to the stage. Like, he's going up to the stage and he's like ramming his head against the amp he's ramming and ramming and ramming. like he's just like really making a scene of himself and then all of a sudden everything goes quiet um and as it goes quiet his his um consciousness screamed i killed my banker and he looks around you know it's your typical record scratch type it's, of it's moment. definitely a record scratch moment and like he's looking around and everyone's staring at him and he's like okay this is clear evidence no, I killed my banker. No, right. I killed my banker. I no, killed my banker. I killed my banker. Yeah. Um, we all he... killed our banker. Right. Yeah, I am banker killer. <laughs> um, yeah. And so, no, like, wait, you just... guys, I'm not doing a bit. <laughs> so they're just all staring at him, and he just just starts confessing to everything. He says, "I stole this money, and I was being blackmailed, so I killed my banker." And the cops are saying, there's like, well, open and shut case for me. Easy night for me. Um, and then at this point, we cut and we see, and I. And it's two years later. No, 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 not yet. Because we haven't had the, the reveal of what actually happened. Because we cut back to him and we see, you know, when we're talking about body horror, the Q-tip that he had oh, been like right. sloshing yes. around the, the uh, uh. in his ear is like three-fourths of the way now lodged into his eardrum. So what had happened was he was he had had the ear, the Q-tip had been kind of just hanging out in his ear and he had forgotten about it. So when everyone was like staring and acting all weird around him, it's because he had a giant Q-tip hanging out of his ear and then yeah. would like act all aggro about it if somebody stared at him. And so by banging his head against it, he basically like punctured his eardrum and made himself immediately deaf. So that's why the sound stopped. That's why... Like, it wasn't that, like, sound had actually stopped. It was just that he had suddenly couldn't hear anything else. And so he he just has this full breakdown. 
Um, and then yes, but then then after that reveal of like of him in like in his conscience, like oh maybe that's what they were reacting to, not my voice. Oh well. And then yeah, we cut forward in time, and we see that he has been in prison for two years on death row. Um, and it's you know he's deaf. That he's like just sitting in his cell, like just staring at his last meal. Which I want to. I wanted to uh, ask you here. Have you ever thought about if you were on death row and you got like your like whatever you wanted last meal? Have you ever thought about what you would want for your final meal? Cheeseburger, fries, milkshake, cheesecake. <laughs> All right. Got it. Do you, a yeah, simple person. Yeah. Um, I think I would want, um, I think I'd want a, a, um, Mexican Coke and I'd nice. want to have a, um, a mufalada from Central, uh, Deli in, um, New Orleans or Central Grocery from New Orleans flown in. i um, just have one more mufalada from them. Oh, best sandwich in the world. Uh, and so, yeah, so he's, he's, he's staring at his final meal. He can't, you know, uh, he's just completely distracted by this voice. And then they knock on his, they basically like throw something at him, I think, to get his attention. Like, all right, it's time for you to, you know. Time for you to go. Well, it it looks like he's not even going to finish his his meal because he's like ready to get it over with. Right. Yeah. They, they, hearing, he's been hearing Sam Kinison in his head the whole time. Right. Yeah. The only thing he's heard for the last two years is Sam Kinison just like constantly berating and mocking him, just being a dick to him uh, for two whole years, which I get why you would go crazy at a certain point. Uh, so yeah, he's just like, I'm done. Call it a day. I'm, I'm packing it in. And then, yeah, we go back to like the start where he's ecstatically accepting his execution. Uh, and then we cut back to the crypt speaker still in his, uh, shock wig. Um, and he said, well, headbangers, wasn't that one a real smash? Um, oh, we never talked about this. The, <laughs> Katie Sagel's name is Miss Kilbasa. Like yes, <laughs> her, her name is Miss Sausage. For, I, I, yeah, for whatever is, reason. For whatever reason, like because no one, I guess, in this you have Mister Slash and Miss Kilbasa. Uh, yeah, I totally forgot that that was her name. That's so funny. Um, and then yeah, so for Marty, he was right about that noise in his head. He probably wished he uh, probably wished he was deaf. But he got death instead. <laughs> uh, nice. And then uh, we uh, peace out. Pretty straightforward episode, I will say. Like, you know. Yeah. Not, not a a lot of like, um, this is definitely another one where uh, let's, let's get into our uh, keeper stinkers. Um, and I'll, I'll, I've already started talking about it, so I'll, I'll kind of go into it. This is another crime episode, um, which we've kind of talked a lot about. Yeah. How we want less of this on this show. But the crime um, kind of takes a backseat to what is really happening, which is the, the weird voice in his head. Right. I think that's that's what sort of elevates it. And and it's a crime that is kind of fun. Like, it's not it's not these like twists. It's like, I've got this money. I've got to get out of this club. But I have this paranoia that like people could like 
my my self my self my conscious and my sense of self doubt that I'm going to get away with this thing is gnawing at me, and and I, and it's going to be my undoing. That's fun. Like that's I think that that all works really well. I'm like yeah, like you have this like supernatural question of like can people actually hear the voice in his head, or is he just losing it? And like even if there's there at the end of the day there doesn't end up being a supernatural element. This like hint of like there could be something going on. Um, I think elevates it above your standard crime story, which is all my way of saying, I think this is a fun keeper of an episode. I think it is an episode that I, you know, I won't be rushing back to watch it anytime, but that one sort of tone deaf, potentially transphobic joke aside, it's sort of just a, and it moves. Like it does move. Yeah. Yeah. Again, it's an episode where they're constantly like, the stakes of like, okay, I got to get out of here. Oh no, my banker's like blackmailing me. Okay, I got to deal with that. Okay, I'm going to kill her. Oh no, what am I going to do about that? Okay, I'm just going to suffer in the case. Okay, I'm going to get rid of this cop. Like, there's always like some like immediate threat in front of them that he has to respond to. And he, and he does. And like, while you always have this constant um, literal voice in his head, like berating him to like, just give up. Like, you're not going to get away with this one. You're not going to get away with this one. He's like, shut up. And like, his energy just... Esca- like it escalates at a really fun pace. So yeah, like I like that. You know what? I'm not gonna qualify. It. I just like this episode. This is a, this is a keeper for me. Yeah, I would say probably also a keeper for me too. I'm not. Uh, I'm maybe like a seven out of ten for me sure. because like I didn't like love it. But yeah. boy, it certainly wasn't any of the last few episodes we've seen with, you know, episodes that hate women or episodes that are all about like couples cheating on each other or boring insurance fraud. Um, yes. So from that perspective, yeah. I'm like, okay, this is, this was There's- fun and it has a really great cast. It's not one that I would tell people to go rush and watch. But, you know, if you have to pick some episodes from this season, then definitely this one is fine. By by the slipping standard of the season, I think this one is fun. It's it's fun. Yeah, I exactly. <laughs> I think that that's that's the ultimate like it's it's funny because it's another episode where like maybe the cop, but like there's not like a character that you're especially rooting for. Like you're not really necessarily rooting yeah. for Barney to get away with it. But no. he is a fun enough character that, like, you're like, I kind of want to see what happens to this dude. I want to see it. I want to see if he gets away with it, or if he's yeah, going to at, like at least be hoisted by the card. There's the idea of like you could. I, I tend to like episodes that have a storyline where you can explain things as there was a supernatural element to it, or the person was hallucinating, or you know. <laughs> Like, you can explain it either sure. way. And here, you can say, oh, well, you know, this person started hearing his own conscience because he was, you know, really sleazy. Or you could also say, like, he was schizophrenic, you know, had schizophrenia, and that's why he started hearing his, you know, a voice. Right. Like, you can just yeah. explain it either way. And I find that interesting because then you can sort of make up your own mind in your head of what happened and for sure yeah i I tend to find that better than (laughs) than boring insurance schemes to go back to that forever well and and i think that yeah i think i think that's that's our low bar of like who cares but like 
I think that this episode, it's also like in a fun setting. Like it's, you know, it's, it's a unique setting for, our, for so far on this show. Like, like you, it has, it has an Iggy pop performance in it at the center yeah. of it. Like it's, yeah, it's got a lot going for it and it's, it's, it, it uses its time. Well, yeah. The more I talk about it, the more I'm like, yeah, I just like this episode. Um, yeah, it's I, I, fun. Yeah, it, it's not perfect, but it is definitely it's fun, and it, like it, it definitely knows what it's doing, and it's it doesn't have like a larger um, goal that it's really like striving for. Um, and I think that it 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 hits its mark for what it's trying to do pretty well. Uh, so, with all that said, um, I think that's going to get us into our casting the crypt uh conversation yeah. did you have any thoughts on who who in t- in today's landscape who do you think would be uh the people that should be in a yeah i actually actually thought uh i would like to see uh aaron paul as the uh as marty slash okay um because i think i think he does the like paranoid something kind of weird is happening really good uh and especially mm-hmm. like if you see him in that episode of breaking bad with like the fly um yes. I, think, I think he he gets that he, he gets that um that vibe really well of like he's hearing something like i don't know i think he could he could be really good in that uh for the police officer i thought uh keegan michael key might be fun mm-hmm. uh yeah. Yeah, and that's about it. I don't know. I don't know how I would recast Iggy Pop and Katie Sagal. Um, so I don't know. Maybe you have. Maybe you have some ideas. Well, my my main my main like takeaway that I had um, that I think is is the equivalent, and in my estimation, an improvement is I, I was trying to think of like so Sam Kinison's whole thing was that like like one of his whole gimmicks was that he was the rock and roll comic. So that that's why he's like the like fill in here like he's this guy who like would open for like literally like open for rock bands and stuff and like he you know like like to like hang around with like rock stars and stuff i'm like who's like a rock star comedian i'm like oh jack black would be perfect for being marty slash's conscience voice like he has he he can have that like obnoxious escalation but also like has has a has a more grounded like sense of like hey man what the fuck are you doing Oh, you know, right. actually, who I was thinking for that? Because, see, for me, the reason why he was, like, ready to die is because the voice was so annoying. Right. So I thought, oh, Gil- Gilbert Gottfried. I also thought which, Gilbert Gottfried. Which I I got to. I always forget his name, so I had to Google actor with a high-pitched voice, and Google right. absolutely knew who I was talking about. Who, who, yeah. <laughs> it's, like, it's like that or Bobcat Goldthwait. So, um... Yeah, no, I think that 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 also is an angle that you can take with this. Um, yeah, as far as like uh, the other roles, I'm trying to think of like who is the um, like the only like uh, rock star I can think of who's known for taking off his clothes is Adam Levine, but that's lame. I'm trying to think of like who, who who is like a sort of like exhibitionist or like over the top like rock person right now. Andrew WK. Oh, 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 oh! What about like a Post Malone? Right. Yeah. If you want to do, or like, yeah, like a Post Malone, a Lil Nas X. Like you could do, like you could do a hip hop version of this. Yeah, totally. Um, 
that that would be fun to like the fear in that direction um yeah no i i, I your aaron paul i think is a really smart because like that's not because like i'm awful on this show about like casting to um physicality a lot of ways i'm mm-hmm. like so like when i think about like amari slash i'm like oh it kind of looks like i mean Paul i Giamatti, do that i, I do that know, too like, i was like yeah. uh when the other the other episode that we saw i was like patrick warburton why because yes, this guy yeah. looks like patrick warburton <laughs> this guy, like works, yeah there's a whole episode where he said uh that peter weller was in it when he was absolutely yeah not. <laughs> <laughs> he looked uh, like peter weller uh, <laughs> uh but yeah, I think those I think those are all good suggestions. Um and this is definitely an episode um unlike some episodes we have coming up. Uh I think this is an episode that I could totally see there being a worthwhile remake of this. Like I think that there's there's enough yeah. new on this that you could do a, a new updated version of this. That'd be fun. Um Totally. So yeah. Uh well, thank you so much for listening. Uh this has been Crip Speakers. Uh, and, uh, we are so delighted that you've been listening. If you could, uh, reach out and tell somebody about the show, tell just one person over the next week. If you've been enjoying the show, tell one person and that person tells one person and you, you've seen the triples episode, you know how this goes. Um, exponential growth. It's magic. Um, but, uh, that would be a huge help. Also getting on Apple podcasts, giving us five stars, giving us reviews there to spread the word. Um, that would be great. Um, you can read all that I've been doing um, on Twitter is where I post most of my links for any writing that I'm doing. I'm right now going through a full retrospective of the Fast and Furious uh, franchise leading up to F9 coming out this summer. Um, so check those out every Friday, I think, is when those are going to be coming out, Fast Fridays. Um, so yeah, so you can check those out there. Um, and you can find... Uh, all my stuff on that um at j the cake thief on twitter uh sessie where can folks find out what you're up to sessie.dev yeah that's it um and uh thank you to molly fancher for our intro and outro music mr n you can find them on Bandcamp and throw them a couple dollars for making super cool rock and roll music that would be perfect in marty slash's club uh and uh with all that said thank you so much for listening and until next time kitties (laughs) 